72, verse 18. And it says, uh, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. And it helps us um, to have more peace in our world, if um, in our personal lives, if we can realize that it's God working through us. And sometimes we're an agent of God's peace and sometimes we're not. Uh, but we're trusting God to move through us. And, and it, so it, it's, it's not us having to do everything. It's that spirit moving through us and leading us to different ways of life. And then I also wanted to read from the Gospel of John. Uh, and this is the one that, that Lee shared just a, a moment ago as well. And this is uh, John 14, verse 27 here. In peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives and do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. In the earlier verses, Jesus says, I have a, a gentle and humble heart. And it's an invitation to, to have that same heart, that heart for wholeness and goodness and, and, and peace in the world and, and valuing the, the dignity and the worth of all people and, and finding the, uh, the wherewithal to, to forgive and to let go as well. So as we take a, a couple moments here just to, to pray and think about the peace, uh, where we have peace in our life, uh, where that's uh, lacking, uh, some of those places and events in our life, it, it might take years for us to, to let go and reconcile and, and to have that peace of God in our hearts, but it's, a, it's an ongoing process. And I think I've asked this question before, but uh, I'd like to ask it again. Uh, how do we cultivate peace in our life? What are some of the, the spiritual practices, the, the habits that we have uh, to, to form peace, uh, to enter into that peace? Let's just take a, a few moments to pray and, and to reflect on that. Let us pray. Well, I'll ask... Uh, all of you, as far as um, what are some of your spiritual practices or, or exercises you do to, to cultivate that peace, to be centered in the, the love and the grace of God. And um, it'd be nice if we could just have peace and it was all done, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's ongoing that we have to continually cultivate peace each and every day. And I would even say every moment there. And um, I know I've, uh, been fortunate, especially since the pandemic, um, my prayer life has gotten much better. And I, I wake up in the morning and sometimes I might get a, a cup of water or hot cocoa. And uh, I just spend 20, 25 minutes in that contemplative prayer and just inviting God into my, my day and in my life. And that has really been a life changing. And that prayer has led me to um, a lot of introspection where I do examine you know, those places where I have uh, a lack of forgiveness or resentment or some anger that I'm hanging on to. Uh, and there's many, many practices we can have, though. So does anyone uh, want to share with us just so we can learn from you as far as uh, just some of your practices? <laughs> Is there anyone else before I share a couple words? <clears throat> okay. Well, thank all of you. Um, um, for sharing and um, 
And as we mentioned today, we, we lit the Advent candle for, for peace, for Christ, uh, our peace. Uh, Jesus is often referred to as the, the Prince of Peace. And very much like the word hope, when we lit the candle for hope last week, uh, the word peace, just the word itself, sounds so soft and uh, welcoming. It's very soothing. And I even like the words that are associated with peace. Words like comforting, tranquility, serenity, shalom, harmony, and, and calmness. And it's always amazing to me how they even, they just sound peaceful and welcoming. And then we have different images of peace in our mind and in our experiences. Um, I often just think of um, some of my visits to, to monasteries and seeing uh, monks and nuns in quiet contemplation and just the peace that they, they manifest and, and they, they show through their prayer. The seeing uh, small children playing you know, in the park or at the pool, it's always such uh, an image of, of peace for me and it, it helps me to, to see them. Uh, I love seeing a, a dog <laughs> just laying in the sunshine and without a care in the world and, and just what an image and, and what a, <laughs> they kind of inspire me to, to be, more like, be more like the dogs there, just laying in the sun. I go on a, a lot of walks around town and, and just see the, the deer nibbling on the grass, whether it's at the church or out at the, the cemetery. And it's just a, an image of, of peace for me. I also find peace in, in the trees. There's just these quiet presence and they just soak in all the sun and all the world has to offer and just their, their stillness. I always find a lot of peace in the trees as well and how the trees learn to bend instead of just, and that enables them to, to, to live much longer. A lot of the trees at least do bend. Uh, especially in my walks, uh, sometimes just seeing some, some images of people or couples, older couples, especially just sitting on their front porch, just enjoying a, a glass of tea and just watching everything go by. And, and just that image of peace. I remember that, especially with Clay and Jean Bader, who lived right across from the elementary school. They always sat on the front porch and it always brought me a lot of peace just to, to see them out there. And even uh, recently, uh, I've been going on some walks with my mother in the morning, and, and she likes to walk uh, out at the cemetery. And so initially, we might not think of that as a place of peace, but there's so much quiet and, and, and the stillness out there and all those stories. And it reminds us so much of all the people who have gone before us and, and just the gifts and the peace that they shared with us. It's also a time just to be, be thankful for the, the people in our lives. So all these uh, places and people and images uh, help uh, as, me as far as cultivating that, that peace. And I would say that all of us, we desire <clears throat> and we long for peace, a peace that is not of this world. And we want to be able to, to sit down at the end of the day and just say, everything is okay. Everything will be all right. And we can rest in peace at the end of our day. And I believe Mary, uh, the, the mother of Jesus, I think she has this peace that we all long for. Initially, when she's told she's going to have this child, there, there's fear. 
there's concerns, she has questions. And I don't think she understands fully what is going on there. But then there's a moment where she enters that peace and she says, let it be with me according to your word. And she surrenders. She enters into that peace. Just let it be with me according to your word. And we've all alluded to that. Just let it be. Accept what is. And I don't have to understand everything. And so with all these images and practices and, and things we do to cultivate peace, uh, Barbara Taylor, who I, I admire a great deal, she says there is no experience that we want more and have less of than the experience of peace. She says we all have moments of peace and we cherish those times that gives us the strength uh, to, move, to move on. When I think about peace also and the lack of peace, especially as well, I remember when our, our children were, were little and we're working, we're both working full time and changing diapers all day and all night and cleaning and cooking. And it was just, it was just never ending with the, the small children in the household. And there was that moment where we'd finally put them down to go to sleep at night and they would cry and cry. And we were just exhausted at our wits end. And then they would go to sleep and we would just lay down in that bed for a moment and go, ah, finally, <laughs> we have some peace. And we knew it was going to be short lived because within an hour or two, they were going to wake up and start crying and have more needs. And peace is often like that. It's um, very, very fleeting there. Peace is elusive. We have our family dynamics. We have wonderful families, but they're very challenging as well. We have the challenges uh, of work and careers, the, the, the challenges uh, of children and friends going to schools. And I think of how many conversations, if you have children or grandchildren and friends, just conversations with teachers and coaches and <clears throat> what needs to be done or not done. And there's always that, that tension quite often. As Micah referred to in our community with different groups and, and people have different ideas about what good life is about. And all those competing ideas challenge our, our peace and the peace within our community. There's always this tension. And for me, uh, and maybe for you as, as well, one of uh, the major barriers I find um, to peace, to that deep peace or shalom, is having that desire to be in control, the desire to, to be right. And how do we know what we can control and what we cannot control? It takes quite a bit of discernment. A lot of time in prayer, I spend a lot of time with Christ. When I, or, or when we, do not have control when we feel like we're losing control quite often we i'd say maybe all the time we lose our peace and then we get angry we get frustrated and when that happens when we lose that control we we might resort to guilt to shame to manipulation or intimidation we try everything possible to regain control or at least having that, that sense of control. So what can we control? What can we actually 
control? And what can't we control? And can we control other people? When I was writing these words and thinking about it, think of how much time and energy I spend, and maybe you do too, trying to control or influence other people, especially with our children and friends and those we love, because we we believe we have wisdom. We have, we maybe know what's best for them. And maybe we do, and maybe we don't. But we can expend so much time and energy trying to control other people and trying to control circumstances. And when we do so, our peace goes out the window there. I think of how many arguments we had with our, our children growing up and they were great kids. I mean, really good kids. But we had disagreements that usually centered around control. We think you need to do this. And they would say, no, we want to do this. And we would have those disagreements. And it's not just with children. We also have disagreements with our, our parents, our jobs, the boards, our institutions. We are always, it seems, struggling for control. It's kind of human nature there. But Jesus is always presenting us with a different perspective, that counterintuitive wisdom. And he says, I give you my peace, a peace that is not of this world. <clears throat> it would take quite a bit of time to maybe summarize this peace and to, to gain that understanding, but I've always been amazed by one little verse in, in 1 Corinthians 13, it's the love passage. And it's always just kind of struck me as, what's going on here? There's some great truth here, because I do believe God is love, that Christ is love. And that one little verse says, love does not insist on its own way. I've always found that fascinating. <clears throat> love does not insist on its own way. That God cannot love us and control us at the same time. We have free will. We have choices. And we can surrender to God. But God doesn't control us. Because love does not insist on its own way. And we could maybe summarize that with the expression I see on a lot of refrigerators and here in meetings and everything. Let go and let God Trust that God and the Spirit is working through us in the world for good. And it's a different mindset, a different way of being. To trust that something bigger than ourselves that we call God is working through us. And this is the, the serenity prayer that, that Bob mentioned earlier. And I think it's a prayer for peace. God, grant me the serenity accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things that I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Because we can enter into God's house of peace when we learn to let go, to let go of those things and those people that we cannot change. And that takes courage. It takes a lot of trust to let go. 
God's peace is knowing what we can change and what we cannot change. Peace is letting go of our desire to control or manipulate, whether it's our, our children or our parents, our jobs, our boards, and our, or our politics even. And this is really a deep challenge. It requires a great deal of maturity. What can we control and what can we not control? Because letting go does not mean that we no longer do anything or that we don't care or that we don't love. I would say we humbly speak the truth. We humbly live in the truth of God's love and joy and peace. But we let go of the expectations. We let go of results. And we just make a commitment to love and to cherish. And as Mary said, we, we let it be. And this is very challenging. And when I think of letting go, um, we refer to the story quite often. It's really the, the mini gospel, the story of the prodigal son or the prodigal father. I think it's good that we think about it as being the prodigal mother and the prodigal daughter as well. And part of this story, a big part of this story is about the peace that we find in Christ when we let go of our desire to control and we learn to wait and to trust and to pray. And the young son says, can I just have my inheritance early and I want to start a new life? And I can just imagine the words and I'll just kind of say what goes into my mind. I want to start a business. I want to kind of live it up. I don't want the life that you're living, Dad. I can do something different, something better. <clears throat> and the parent has to know that this probably is not a good idea. I think all of us have probably been on both sides of this <laughs> situation where we've been the prodigal son and then the prodigal elder or the prodigal parent. That parent has to know that the son's request is not a good one. And you wonder, because we don't have the whole text, do they argue? Do they get into a fight about what's best? What is best for the son to do? What is best for that daughter to do? And I've had these arguments so many times growing up with my own parents where I want to do one thing and in their wisdom, they're saying, well, maybe you should do something else. And the peace is gone there. And I've had these same arguments with our, our children. And it's not just limited to our, our families. We have these arguments at work, at our churches, in our organizations, on our councils and on our boards. What is the best thing to do? And then we can hear those words of Jesus speaking to us. I give you my peace. Let go. Let go and let God. Let it be. Love does not insist on its own way. And the prodigal God 
And that prodigal means lavish and abundant, lavish and abundant in love. That God lets that child go. God doesn't necessarily agree, but God loves. And he lets the child go. I can imagine the conversation. I don't agree with you, but I do love you very, very dearly. You'll never know how much I care about you, but I wish you well. And I want you to know that as you go, you are always welcome to come home, always. So when the prodigal parent lets that child go, I'm sure there is some reassurance. You're always welcome to come home. If it doesn't work out, I will always leave the light on for you and know that you always have a home. And we've all been there, I think, on both sides of that relationship. The father and the mother lets their son and daughter go. And it's the hardest thing we ever do if you've ever been a parent. If we've ever been that mentor to let someone go off into the world and to trust that God will be with them no matter what. To let go, to let God. And we say that prayer, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. To have that peace, it's discerning when we can let go of our need to control, our need to be right. It's very challenging. But then when we do, we find a peace, a peace that surpasses understanding. And to let go does not mean that we no longer <clears throat> love that person or stop loving them. If anything, I think it means we love them anymore. And the prodigal parent, the prodigal teacher, the prodigal boss or the prodigal leader continues to love, to cherish, and to hold people and those friends and those relationships. Because we can love people, we can care for them, but we cannot live their lives for them. And I love what Father Greg says, uh, who's been working with those gang members in LA for over 30 years. And he says it took him many, many years. He said initially when he started the ministry, he wanted to fix and rescue and save everybody from gang life. <clears throat> and he said, me wanting a gang member to have <clears throat> a different life is not the same thing as that gang member wanting to have a different life. And he realized after many years of struggle and despair and just beating himself up, that he could not, he could love them, but he couldn't change their lives. He couldn't live it for them. And so his ministry changed to just making sure that they knew that he was available and that they could always come home and that he would offer them support when they wanted it, but he had to let them, let them go. And so my prayer for each and every one of us here today is that we can continue to develop those practices of peace and in cultivating that peace within, because as that song we sing, let there be peace on earth. 
and let it begin with each and every one of us. And that we can learn to let go and to let God and trust that God is with us. And there's nothing more frightening than letting someone or something go. And that's also a, a, an exercise of trust. We're trusting that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Absolutely nothing separates us from that love. And God's presence is with us and those we love wherever we go. And so may we just surrender to God and enter into that deep, deep peace. Amen. Thank you.